And, and then people would come with you and they go, these ideas are so important. And what's interesting is in the process of writing this book, because you have to make it bigger than these people. Like this particular scene and act of self-branding is already almost over and I didn't write the book in time for it to be in the zeitgeist that way. But the arguments that they're using, this is what you're going to see from every single right-wing movement in the future or center-right movement in the future that does not explicitly identify as nationalist or alt-right. The arguments that they're making about why capitalism just is, that's science, why we're not promoting racism or sexism, but we are very interested in some extremely antiquated ideas about scientific differences, quote-unquote, right? So what you're seeing in these arguments, and I'm just going to bring in two other things because there's a lot to cover here and I can, I can kind of get lost in the weeds. A basic difference, I would say, between left and right is the difference between historicizing and naturalizing. If you're on the left, broadly speaking, you look at things and you say, what are the historical material reasons why that is happening? If you're on the right, you say that is what it is. Now, paradoxically, this is actually a reason why right now there's a lot of conflict between people who are more socialistic and people who are more like woke, quote unquote, because their moral dimension is better. Look, America as a racist society is correct. Acknowledging that truth versus denying that truth is a major difference. No question. However, if you read Adolf Reed, who's one of my intellectual heroes, I really hope everybody is reading him, he will tell you why racism and white supremacy is a multi-generational project in America that depends on economic conditions, that manifests in different geographies, that is inseparable for how we produce and do capitalism. And actually, it might become separable, right? Whereas some people who have a woke discourse, it just is. It's the religious foundation of America. There's no difference between any different historical periods. It's just this moral block statement. Does that make sense? So some of these critiques can get really subtle, and that's actually what started to occur to me with the IDW and dealing with the right, because these guys were exploiting a lot of weaknesses. They were coming in and they were seeing people, you know, look, if, if your pop culture diet and, you're, and, and let's say you're an alienated young man, which is the primary audience for these guys. That's just market demographics. That's not a moral statement. I did some brand work. This is just like you're looking at your, you're looking at your demos. You're alienated. You don't feel powerful. You probably have a lot of actually very valid complaints in your life. You flip open, say, some you know, mediocre, bougie website that you think is the left, and what do you have? Seinfeld's actually problematic, and you suck, and shut the fuck up, and this is a problem, and that's a problem, and this is this, and that, da, da, da. And then Jordan Peterson comes along and goes, no, actually, you're great, and you should have a government-provided wife to massage you. Now, and you didn't have people coming and saying, why? Why do you feel that you do? 
right? So, because even, even in terms of relative privilege becomes in macro questions. Like in your personal behavior, yes, it's relevant. If you're walking around thinking you're the most victimized person in the world and you're not, it's obnoxious and it's problematic, sure. But in the big picture, nobody outside of an incredible minute fraction of the population is doing better right now. Yes, you can talk about aggregate numbers and people have more washing machines and cell phones and blah, blah, blah. I know all of that. So please do save those questions and comments. Let's, let's go more interesting. But inequality is rising. Alienation from the work you do is rising. Your ability to govern your own life is decreasing radically. And so you had people who were giving reactionary but constructive, proactive answers and also empowering people's individual agency, which is funny as a socialist, I think is super important. We need a socialism that also has room for people's personal aspirations and ambitions and sense of making room for themselves in the world. We cannot make that wrong. And in fact, the only people that I really see making that wrong are usually very upper middle class bougie people. And I don't make that as like a moral comment. I'm talking like literally that's their position. They don't have to do that. You know, I could tell you as someone, and I don't, you know, I don't want to melodrama my own experience, but it's like, you know, I know what it's like to be pretty broke at times and have like the heat turned off or whatever. So you understand why you might want to read some type of Horatio Alger narrative, right? So the IDW had answers and the right had answers and the left had a lot of, the quote unquote left, had a lot of moralism and condemnation and not even that much nutrition. I think that is why, among many other things, including the really powerful social movements we have in the world today, um, and the very important ones on race and economic equity and so on, this is actually also why Bernie Sanders matters. Bernie Sanders is running a campaign that should be really basic and really obvious, but it's not. Because we're not- All right, what you just heard was the voice of our our friend, our comrade, you know, our brother Michael Brooks, uh, who, as I'm sure anybody who listens to this knows by now, uh, passed away a little over a week ago, shockingly and unexpectedly. And right now, <laughs> I'm drinking some uh, very nice bourbon that our friend Doug Lane uh, sent me after uh, after Michael passed. Uh, I'm even supposed to go running later, but I'm still going to drink some bourbon now <laughs> as, as we're talking about this. And uh, anybody who, you know, Adam, in a little mini episode that, that we did before uh, last week, you know, just mm-hmm. let people know what was going on, kind of gave you his, uh, his personal reflections. And anybody who wants to read my personal reflections about Michael can, can read my piece in Jacobin. We'll link to it in the show notes was hard enough to write it. I don't, I don't, I don't think I can, I don't think I have it in me to repeat any of that here, but we wanted to start the episode by, uh, by playing that uh, because it's a pretty remarkable talk. Everybody should watch the whole thing. That's uh, from Michael's uh, mill series lecture at Lafayette college in uh, late February, at the end of February, just before everybody locked down. And I think it's a pretty remarkable statement of the political synthesis that uh, that he was uh, developing at the at the very end of uh, his life, which is what we want to talk about today. But uh, also, hey, it's the uh, it's the Dead Pundit Society. We usually start by saying that uh, this is uh, this is one of your hosts, uh, Ben. 
Yeah, and and I am still on, on the air here, Adam, uh, joining you as you as I always say, like as if they don't know that. Like I'm so corny, right? Like I started this in 2016, 17, before like you know, I don't know, like they were like hip hip hop cool, like hip hop anonymous pod type podcasts out there who just like go into the stuff and then you know at the at the perfectly appointed moment they're like, by the way, this is so and so, and I am so and so, and I am so and so, and they like they're real cool and slick. No, I force feed it in the beginning of the episode, but uh. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I listened to that Mill series lecture and I'd, I'd missed that uh, four months ago when it first came out. And um, it's one of the first things that I've, I found uh, after hearing about Michael's passing last week. And um, and I just, you know, it blew me away because, you know, Michael and I, as I gave sort of my, my, my eulogy uh, in my own way last week on the show that people listen to, um, you know, Michael uh, was a recent convert to, to the kind of hardcore anti-centralist message. And yet... Like he, he somehow ended up lapping most of us in terms of his ability to communicate this stuff effectively. And, and what you hear in, in that lecture, it's obviously a synthesis. And he's the first to tell you that he gives Adolf Reed uh, his mentor credit. You know, people like you know, Cedric Johnson, people I've had on the show, you know, uh, Toure Reed and, and many others, many, many others. Uh, you know, more recently, uh, Joanna West, Brianna Last was on the show talking about all the stuff and, and Paul Prescott. But like he's been able to, uh, synthesize that anti-essentialist message in a way that like, despite the fact it was a synthesis, it was still like radically new because of how he communicated it in such a like unproblematic and commonsensical way. And like, you know, I'll just end here by saying like repeating another thing that I had said is like, and that was kind of Michael's strength because like he was not of the left in the way that we are of the left, right? Like he wasn't brain damaged. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he did a log. He he was like hanging out with normal people and uh, and enjoying his life uh, when uh, when some of us were attending interminable you know meetings of like tiny mm-hmm. socialist sects, but that 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 really I think is is a ended up you know as a virtue because Michael is somebody who who came to a lot of these conclusions you know via a different path, and one thing that really comes out in that that Mill series lecture. Um, which yeah, I on uh, on Friday night, you know, so about four days after he passed, I um, I made the mistake of uh, you know listening to that on uh, on YouTube as I was uh, walking my dog, and um, you know, and, and it was fantastic, but uh, but then I I just you know just made me incredibly fucking sad because uh, as I was watching it and I was watching the the Q and A and. Uh, you know he does a better uh, better job than I think literally anybody else I can think of would have done right in those circumstances because you know he's getting a lot of you know frankly very annoying college Democrat kinds of questions. Yeah, it's not a DSA audience. It's not a Chapo it's, audience. It's not a left it's, audience it's, of any stretch. It's a yeah college Republican. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's liberal type. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So and then. Um, but in his answers, it would be very easy to posture, right? You know, it'd, it'd be very easy to to just sort of like play to the three people on the crowd, you know, who who were in on the same page as he was about all this stuff, right? Uh, you know, who are you know fans of the show maybe, and you know, coming from that place. Uh, but he really doesn't do that, right? There's there's one there's one question where you you get a little, little bit of that like cocky put down side of Michael because a student 
asks him this question that's like, hey, you're Jewish, right? How come yeah. you're so anti-Israel? And, you know, yeah. Yeah. He, he responds to that and about the spirit, you know, you would, uh, you know, you would expect him to. And, uh, and, you know, that was heartwarming also. But like the rest of them, you can tell that he's, he's given these answers that they're, they're of course, they're really funny because it's Michael and, and, and they're really thoughtful. And you can tell that it's important to him to find a way of framing them that connects to the students' worldview so they don't just dismiss it right away. Yeah. And yeah. that sounds like it should be a very basic thing, but Jesus Christ, it is not. Like there are, yeah. there are so few people on, in contemporary left media who can communicate that way. And, and again, he's, there's no, like, it, it's, it's not, you know, there are people who, who provide this like really, um, stripped down kind of, kind of bare bones, very simple, you know, message, you know, to, so, so it'll be edible for everybody, mm-hmm. but that's not what he's doing there. Right. I mean, no, he, he didn't uh, pull any punches with the way he presented, you know, the, the difference is between the kind of, not only the intellectual dark web, which his book is obviously about, uh, the Tucker Carlson's, the, the so-called, so-called faux populist, right. But, uh, but, but also the, the, the quote woke left and, 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 you know, another position he, you know, himself occupies and I'd say we occupy is this kind of historical materialist driven left socialist, explicitly socialist left, right. That looks at things and, and he's making some really critical distinctions there, but doing so in a way that like just doesn't give um, our adversaries any, any easy places to attack. Um, and, yeah. you know, just, you know, going forward, just to kind of signpost for the listener like this, you know, so last week we did a, I sort of did a, a personal eulogy and you've had the opportunity to do that for the Jacqueline YouTube channel and a couple of other uh, outlets as well. And so yeah, I, I also, I, I also should say, um, like if you want the most coherent version of that personal eulogy, I've been able to, to give, um, check out the the article that I that I wrote for Jacobin it's just called what michael brooks meant to me yeah and uh like i said that that uh that sucked to write uh that was that was extremely painful so like you know it's but it's been written it's out there yeah right? it's you, done you, you would you want to know done. what i have to say about that um check that out right but what adam was going to say you know when when i interrupted him like an asshole <laughs> is uh is is that is that we've done you know you know, you want you want Adam's eulogy uh, to uh, to Michael. You know, you could find it in the previous um, you know the previous episode. You know, of this podcast. Uh, if you want my eulogy to to Michael, like I said, the the best, most coherent version of that is in that article. You know, I've also gone on different streams and stuff and talked about it. Um, but you know, as you'll find out if you read any of that. Um, you know, I, you know, I've spent the last week feeling like a, a member of my immediate family just died. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in a good place to, to, to do any more talking about that. Right. You know, but, mm. um, but what we're going to try to do now is something a little bit different, right. You know, something, yeah. so, you know, we're good. What we're trying to do now is not you know kind of repeat our eulogies for Michael, but to um, but to to talk about Michael's political vision um, and and in particular you know his his uh, his political vision in the last year and I and I should preface this by saying that uh, you know Michael you know had one of the most 
restless minds, you know, of anybody that I've ever known. Right. You know, he was, he was mm-hmm. constantly, you know, for all of that, you know, for all of the, uh, you know, for all the shtick that he would sometimes do about, Oh, you know, I'm just a, uh, you know, I'm just an entertaining, you know, podcaster. Yeah. Uh, you know, not like about that like, nerd shit, right? Yeah. 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 That was the, uh, or, or like the grad, you know, he never, he never was in grad seminars or whatever, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. He was so, nonetheless a very deep thinker. Um, he was, he was right. You know, something I'd always, something I say in the remembrance is that, you know, whenever I was over at his apartment, I'd always like, you know, kind of see the like half finished books, you know, scatter around the apartment and, uh, you know, the, you know, I, uh, as somebody who unapologetically embraces all manner of nerd shit, uh, I, uh, you know, the, the guy read more and more quickly than I did, you know, and, um, and in particular, when there was somebody like, like, uh, like Richard Wolf, like Harvey JK, like Adolf Reed, who he, he mentions in there and who was, um, I think I could say with great confidence, the most important intellectual influence on Michael in the last year of his life, you know, like when he, somebody like this became a, became a regular on the show, became somebody who's interested in, he would just go back and read fucking everything that they'd ever written, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and, uh, and again, you know, that was the very, you know, he was, he was just intensely intellectually curious person. He was always trying to find ways of, uh, of synthesizing, you know, different arguments that, you know, that, that anytime, you know, on the left, I should say, right. You know, people who he just like, you know, he wasn't going to try to like search for the grain of truth and whatever Dave Rubin was saying, but like he, uh, but, uh, but, you know, but on the left, right. People who shared his basic political commitments, you know, he, he was always trying to think about, okay, here are people who I disagree with, but like, what, what's the kernel of what they've got right, you know, and how can we, how can we integrate that? That was always his, his first impulse about these things, which actually I should say makes it very remarkable. If you listen to some of the, some of the very last shows that he did for TNBS, uh, there's a moment I'm thinking of in particular where he starts talking about, um, he starts talking about Reed and uh, anti-essentialism, which is a concept we're going to get more into as we go on. And uh, it was like really the first, it was, it was, it was striking, right? Cause like I've, I've, I've spent so many thousands of hours in the last couple of years, you know, uh, talking to Michael on the phone and texting with Michael and reading drafts of things that he had written and, and, and listening to his show, right. You know, and, and being on his show yeah. that like, you know, that, that at this moment really, really hit me when it happened a couple of weeks ago, when he started talking about reading anti-essentialism and he was like, look, normally I kind of try to, you know, do this like dialectical synthesis where I say, okay, like, you know, what could these people be getting right? And what could these people be right? And I think, and, and I'd still defend that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but only very lightly here. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. uh, you know, I'd still defend that as a general methodology, but in this case, I think Adolf Reed is just right. right? Like, like, like it was so, yeah. it was so out of character, right? It was such a, you know, and like, and like the fact that he would say that and even like signpost how in the way that he did, you know, how different that is, right. From, from how he usually talks about these things, like really tells you something pretty remarkable about, um, about how, how important he thought this was. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think if you look, um, if you look at the, uh, well, so I think one place to start here is if you look at his book Against the Web, uh, which was uh, published this April, uh, you know, it was, you know, he finished writing it over the summer. 
you know, last summer, obviously. Uh, and even there, um, it's still, you know, in some way, you know, like a lot of, a lot of important things that he still thought, you know, are, are in there. Right. You know, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and in fact, one of the articles, um, I was, uh, you know, we'd, we'd, you know, we'd, we'd co-written a few things for, uh, for Jacobin, um, and, uh, uh, but we, we had two, uh, that were, that we talked about and never wrote. And, uh, the uh, night before he died, I was actually planning, you know, I was thinking about calling him to nail down a writing session, you know, for, for one of them. And, uh, and then, you know, Kai was getting kind of late at night. I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll wait till tomorrow. Uh, but I know that's kind of modeling, but anyway, one of the, just to set this up, right. You know, one of those articles was going to be on, uh, uh, cosmopolitan socialism, which is the phrase that he uses in his book. Uh, and, and it's something we'll, again, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot more as this episode goes on, but, um, but in that discussion, you know, cosmopolitan socialism, uh, you know, he, he mentions, he mentions Reed like once, uh, which is, uh, which again tells you, I think, something about the evolution of his thinking. Because uh, in the last months of his life, his life, you know, I mean, I don't think he could like order pizza without mentioning Adolf Reed, you know, to the, uh, the the pizza delivery guy, right? I mean, he was so much on his mind, yeah. uh, and um, and and I guess the way to, um, you know, and and I, okay, I guess the one thing I was going to say before we really dig into this, right? is I want to just do a little bit of clarification about what the point of this is and, um, and what the point isn't, right? What we're not trying to do here, right? So because Michael was such an intensely intellectually curious person, he did have such a restless mind, right? And, um, and he, was, you know, he was always reading, he was always thinking, he was always taking in new sources and ideas. Who the fuck knows where his head would have been at in a year or two years if he hadn't mm-hmm. died so suddenly and tragically, I certainly don't. Right. Like, like, yeah. like, like, like all I'm not, you know, there's no claim here that like, Oh, this is like, this is, you know, <laughs> this is the, uh, you know, this is like the final stage in the intellectual evolution of Michael Brooks. Cause mm-hmm. you know, that was, that was taken from us. We don't know what the final stage would have been. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like, like all, all I can tell you, right. All I can tell anybody is what he was thinking in the last two years when I got to know him so well, and in particular what he was thinking in the last year, right? You know, and so the point to my mind of, of, of digging into that and talking about it is two things. Um, one is that these ideas were very important to him, right? So, so along with the kind of personal eulogies we've already done, I think, I think it's, it's a, it's a tribute to him that that's that's meaningful that to 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 talk about the ideas that he cared about right so that's the first mm-hmm. one um and and the second is you know i am violently allergic to trying to you know like i hate it when people say if some figure who's passed on this is what he would have thought about anything because mm. you know you don't know i don't know nobody knows right yeah. Yeah. all i know is 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 what michael did think but I happen to think that what he thought was correct and incredibly important and that he was a very powerful um, explicator of it. Right. So, so because of that, right. You know, that's, that's why Adam and I would like to, to kind of dedicate this episode to, to talking about it and, and, you know, and, and sort of going through some of the, some of the key points, because this is just, 
you know, it's a uh, it's a tribute to, uh, to our our departed friend, but it's also it's also just, hey, here are some important ideas, very well communicated. Check them out, right? Mm-hmm. That's the that's the spirit I think in which we're both approaching this. Yeah. So, and, and, uh, as a, and as a yeah. fellow podcast host, obviously, you know, Michael and I had that in common first, and above all, like yeah. starting his show a few months after I started mine, and um, like I can tell you that, like I think he, like we owe it to him. Um, yeah. A lot of people owe it to him. As a host, you don't get to really do the things that you want to do all the time. You sort of have to pursue your, your, your aims, your principles, your manifesto of sorts, whatever it is in that uh, moment, right? You have to pursue it in a piecemeal way in a roundabout fashion. And very seldom you get a chance to really directly like speak in the way that I think that's why that mill series lecture that we played at the beginning of the episode is so valuable because here's an opportunity for him to just say like in an unfiltered way exactly what he thinks about you know in the moment um and i don't get a chance to do that very much um now that you've joined the podcast it gives me a chance to kind of sound off more i'm not necessarily translating and you know refracting and reflecting my true deep thoughts through the lens of like a interview with a guest you know who i may or may not be close with you know intellectually yeah. or um so yeah we, we owe it to him um, to kind of distill these things down because, but because I mean, he really, really truly and did, um, come around in a way that again, like, you know, it's like a student becomes the teacher moment and he was never the student per se, uh, certainly not to me or not to many other people, but, but like in terms of like, I say, I joked, you know, my eulogy, like, you know, the first time we met and hung out, we spent four hours in a diner in Brooklyn arguing the, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates Cornell West debate of 2017, <laughs> you know, that, that emerged after the Bernie Sanders moment. And, um, and, um, and, and like, you know, in three fast forward three years later, like he's synthesizing anti-essentialism in a way that's palatable to, you know, my, my uncle or aunt or, you know, totally Joe yes. down the street, you know, anybody who, who, you know, could, could listen. Um, so we have a lot to learn from that. And, he taught me a lot in the last year. I mentioned in my eulogies, he, um, we had a lot of private conversations, DMs, text and phone, uh, over the past year. And he, you know, in his own way, encouraged me to kind of soften and, and generalize my message, um, to reach because the point is like, you know, we got to reach people. We got to reach people. Don't get, don't get lost in the, in the intra left nonsense, which is yeah. definitely like my, um, inclination. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think he was very uh, he was very strategic about that stuff. Like mm-hmm. he, I mean, look, um, like I said in my Jacobin article, uh, I think that given how very young he was when he died, um, you know, he was four years younger than me, uh, and how unexpected that was, and how 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 widely beloved he was. And, you know, the point in his career as things were just starting to take off for him that he died, it'd be very easy to turn him into a uh, two-dimensional plaster saint. Yeah, uh, right, right. And, and I've already kind of been seeing that some places. And mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I really want to resist that because, you know, this is a uh, this is a human being that I deeply loved. You know, this, this mm-hmm. is my brother and he... Um, and the human being I deeply loved was not a saint <laughs> by yeah, any stretch he, of the imagination. Right, and he, yeah. he had... Uh, and so I just want to mention on this intra left stuff that Michael, Michael could, uh, could and did um, shit talk 
people on the left who are not impressing him in private, like nobody's business, right? You know, the, yeah, that, that's that, yeah. No, you're not wrong. That's the distinction in private, right? In, in private, that in, is that, so that's the distinction. You know, he was, yeah. Oh, no doubt. We could. He if, was. Oh, if anybody ever hacked my DMs uh, with him, yeah, yeah. He was. He, I mean, he he may not I mean, be. He was he may a, not be appear to be so diplomatic. His sister talked about that on the Majority Report. Show she did. She she got into. Uh, yeah, yeah. She got into his some of his feelings about cancel culture, which is something mm-hmm. he talked about, you know, he talked about a little bit on the show, but, you know, mm-hmm. but like she, she talked about how, you know, how much of a theme that was for him, you know? Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah. One of the last episodes of the show, uh, he had on, uh, uh, Stavros from come town. The, uh, the line that I've, I've always, uh, you know, I've, I've probably overused quite a bit in the last week, you know, um, cause it, you know, makes me laugh and warms my heart to think about it this way, but is that if I had to describe TMBS to somebody who never, who never once listened to it in a way, in a way that was one sentence, but evocative, I would say that recent guests have included Stavi from come town and Cordell West. Uh, but uh, in any case, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Noam Chomsky. Well, and he was talking to Stavi about Noam Chomsky because <laughs> the, the controversy, which is also a funny sentence, but uh, the, uh, yeah, the controversy had just happened, uh, you know, about the Harvard. Noted Chomsky, noted Chomsky uh, expert, uh, Stavros. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I actually love the way that Stavros talks about his relationship to socialist politics because it's uh-huh. something we need way more of because totally. he's just like, he's just like, yeah, I'm kind of dumb. I don't read that much, but like, I think everybody should have health care and a place mm. to live and like you know one of the one of the questions because he does this uh ask davi baby thing on uh, on twitter so one of the questions from michael's audience uh, somebody in michael's audience that he asked him was how do i give a dumb how do i get a dumb socialist boyfriend and uh and stavi's advice was to go on um on like uh sports discussion pages and find the guy who's defending Colin Kaepernick, but then go back and look at his history on the page to make sure he didn't just come in to defend Colin Kaepernick. He actually posts there regularly. That's good. But normy enough to actually watch football, but also like, you know, uh, also, yeah, socialist also enough good. to defend uh, Kaepernick. Exactly, okay. exactly. Um, but <laughs> in, uh, in, in that discussion, uh, they started talking about, uh, you know, people who wanted to uh, to cancel Noam Chomsky for signing the Harper's letter. And it was one of these times, you know, like that moment I mentioned earlier from from a different recent episode where Michael just didn't have any of his, like, usual dialectical ambiguity. You know, he was just, uh, he was just like, yep, there was nothing that was bad in that letter. Anybody who supports free speech would have signed that. I don't know what everybody's talking about. Right. Like that, that, that was, that was like his whole take on that. Right. Like, so he got him very, you know, I think especially, you know, maybe since the, uh, since the quarantine started, you know, he'd, he'd gotten much more, uh, much more balls out about that kind of thing. Um, you know, he, he did, you know, there was a time when I was on, <laughs> when, uh, when I was on his show and I quoted back to him something he'd said to me several times, uh, and then later when we were off air, he told me that he'd never actually said that on air before. <laughs> so I was kind of, <laughs> you, you know, him. yeah, I, I outed him. I mean, he was, he was, he, you know, he claimed to be cool with it, but he, uh, uh, the, but the, the line was, uh, that I quoted on air was Michael's line about how, um, 
you know, if the American left uh, ever had to like go to the mountains, like Castro's guerrillas, we wouldn't be able to do it because somebody would say that going to the mountains was ableist. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, we had several lines about, yeah, most people on the left, like not even knowing how to throw a punch or whatever, like needing yeah, to, yeah, needing yeah, to hit the yep. gym. I think that's probably where you, where you, uh, the one you picked up, but yeah, yeah I yeah. think like those, those like, big things. I mean, ultimately like one thing that, you know, and this is a little tangential. I hope it's not too much uh, to ruin yeah. thought, but I think like the takeaway, so we're not, you know, turning this man into a two dimensional kind of hero figure. We need to yeah. him, but at the same time, like, I mean, if, if nothing else, like here, here's a, you know, I find myself with a lot of phrases that I've clearly cribbed from Michael. I'm sure he cribbed phrases from me, but anti-essentialism yeah. being one of them, but that's fine. I've, I stole this one for sure, which is a, like a proof of concept. It's kind of like uh, you can tell that Michael had a very like wide interest in like, um, you know, in, in thinking and thought about, you know, obviously psychology, spirituality, branding, business, all of these things. Like he said, you know, personal aspirations should not be something that's that's uh, uniquely, you know, uh, derived from like right wing ideology. Right. Let's the socialist uh, socialists need to build space for personal aspirations and personal growth. And so but like, you know, the bottom line is ultimately like. The, the sheer success that he enjoyed in his all too short life, like is just proof of concept that like, by the way, this shit works. Okay. Like the Michael yeah. TMBS has more patrons. Okay. than like any socialist group prior to like 2017 in the United States. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It has more patrons than more there were members of any socialist members of any socialist group prior to, prior to the explosion of DSA. And I would, I would, I would wager it's still more patrons than like active people who actually that, that show up might. to meetings in DSA, not just card carrying dues paying people. Um, and so, you know, if that's not proof of concept that you can, you know, do a right wing Mandela and, 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 uh, and some, you know, tell some like in inside, like inside baseball, hip hop jokes that are always fly over my fucking white boy head. <laughs> usually not always usually fly over my white boy head and at the same time do some hardcore like uh anti-imperialist left internationalism anti-essentialism all of the above like you know um yeah there's right. a proof of concept and if, if nothing else if we take away nothing else which we should it's yeah. that this shit works it can Absol- work this left can absolutely come into being and absolutely. not in the distant future like now yeah, like 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 Michael could, you know, like like he could impress people and 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 uh, and and bring them around to more left perspective, you know, who who are just like very like normie progressive types. He he but he would he had this, you know, big audience that that he he built up very quickly. He'd, uh, you know, I mean, we you would forget that show started and what like. <laughs> you know, late 2017, early 2018, you know, like, mm-hmm. like it's, it's a, it, you know, like, like we all feel like it's been around for 10 years, but it is not. Um, yep. And, uh, and he could talk, you know, he's, he's somebody who, um, yeah. I mean that, that episode when um, me and Bhaskar were on in studio together, when Michael had that line about uh, don't bring that nerd shit to my show. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, he uh, like what we're like, you know, I think I think when I think when he said that, you know, I'd, I'd expressed uh, some awkward skepticism when he was uh, 
teasing me about astro- astrology, but uh, but like just before then, right? You know, Bhaskar was talking about the Binder Plan in Sweden, right? Like, uh-huh. and and, uh, and that was like the sort of subject you'd hear about on, on TMBS. He, uh, you know, he was he was deeply, you know, he was deeply engaged with the history of of these uh, these these radical liberation movements. You know, the uh, the ANC in South Africa. Uh, he he interviewed Ronnie Casrals, you know, several times. You know, about the kind mm-hmm. of afterlife of the ANC and its complicated capitulation and neoliberalism uh you know he, he was very you know he was extremely interested in you know the cuban and vietnamese revolutions and you know and and he would he would uh again like in like you know the last month especially would you know we talk about adolf reed all the time uh and yet right when, when he died you know he wasn't just memorialized in jacobin and on the dead pundit society mm-hmm. uh he was um you know, he, he got, you know, Chris Hayes, right. You know, from MSNBC, you know, was, 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 was reminiscing about him on Twitter. There was, uh, you know, Lula da Silva, the former president of Brazil, you know, was, 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 was doing the same, right. You know, he's, he's somebody who, who could have all of the radical commitments that you could imagine and, and not hide the ball at all, but talk about it in such an open and, and inviting and compelling and accessible uh, and funny, you know, way, right? You know that 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 he would reach a kind of audience that a lot of people who share a lot of the same commitments just wouldn't believe they would be able to reach. Not, I'm not saying, of course, that everybody I've just mentioned shared all of his politics by any stretch of the imagination, right? You know, but mm-hmm. like he could, you know, that you know he could be part of a conversation with them, and they were they they wanted to know what he had to say, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's yeah. not a small thing. Mm-hmm. So if you go back to if you go back to his book, right, against the web, in there. You know, he does all, you know, like the first few chapters are devoted to this kind of takedown of these these um, reactionary intellectuals, so-called intellectual dark web. And, but then the part that's most important to him, that was most important to him was the last chapter, chapter and a half, but really the last chapter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can certainly attest that when he was writing it, you know, it's the part that he spent the most time talking to me about, right? You know, that that was, and it it's, uh, and, you know, it's important to him, even the way the beginning was framed, that like everybody kind of got that this is where he was going with the, with the whole thing, with the project. And it gets to this, this phrase, uh, cosmopolitan socialism, which is a good jumping off point for everything else we want to get into, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the next few minutes, because it meant a couple things, right? So, so some of it is just, you know, what's normally meant when we talk about internationalism, that of course, you know, it, any sort of successful, you know, viable, you know, socialist left, you know, has to, um, you know, can't be America centric. It has to be internationalist, right? Um, has to you know has to be a global movement, you know has to involve you know global solidarity of working class people. That's certainly a very important part of what he meant by it, but it's not all that he meant. And another another component of it that was very important to him was what he would sometimes call you know he had this you know he had this kind of weird obsession sometimes with these 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 neoliberal politicians like Clinton and Obama you know like you know Bill Clinton you know, not Hillary Clinton, but like Bill Clinton, you know, the ones who are good communicators. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right, you know, right. the, uh, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, I think mostly just because like the, uh, I think he was just interested in political communication per se, but also he would kind of, you know, just to kind of pull the chain of leftists sometimes, right? He really liked to, 
to repurpose the phrase third way for all sorts of things, you know, and, uh, and so, you know, something he, he would often talk about, right, is, is wanting to have a, a third way culturally by which he, and this is also part of what he means by cosmopolitan socialism, you know, by third way culturally, all he means is just like, okay, we're not, um, you know, we're not, obviously we, we utterly reject, you know, bigotry, um, and Western chauvinism and all those things. That's, that's, that's just completely off the table. You know, we obviously reject that stuff and, and, and we also don't want to be, you know, um, reductionists in the sense that people are often unfairly accused of, right. You know, which, which is that like, we don't want to like dismiss the importance of those things. Right. And, and we don't want to dismiss the importance of, uh, of culture more generally. Right. Cause if you're going to, if you're going to try to reach, Ordinary people, good luck telling them that they should never care about anything except for economics, right? Have fun with that. Uh, but uh, uh, but also that we should... And, and that's a narrow uh, understanding of economics that would like even make like an Econ 101 professor blush, right? Yeah, 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 totally. You know, like totally. economics is not about charts and numbers on graphs. It, it pervades every your, 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 everything about your life, right? You know, yeah, that's the yeah, no question. Right. Like, and I was, I was like, mm-hmm. you know, and of course, as far as the, um, the history of racial oppression goes, you know, I've, I've always loved, uh, the, um, the line from the, uh, the field sisters, right. You know, that, uh, it's absurd to talk about the history of race relations in America as if the primary business of slavery was the production of white supremacy rather than the production of cotton, sugar, and tobacco, totally. uh, or, or my, you know, attempt at that same kind of line in my new book is, um, uh, the British Empire did not invade India for the purpose of culturally appropriating its curry, uh, but uh, uh, which takes us to the passage in uh, Against the Web, uh, where he references Reed, and so he says, and this this bit here, right, is about you know. So I said, this cosmopolitan socialism was supposed to be a kind of socialism, but it's important that it is a kind of socialism, right, because this isn't just a cultural agenda right he understood that like meaningfully you know putting substance on the bones of this kind of like cosmopolitan outlook about culture required uh expropriating the capitalist class it required you know it required uh you know economically restructuring society you know to uh you know away from the way it is now but and uh but the as far as as far as the sense in which this is a cultural third way you know, he meant okay. So on the one hand, you know, you're you're not a you know you're not a bigot, uh, you're not a reductionist in that that uh, that sense that almost nobody really is outside of like five people on Reddit, uh, and uh, and but you're also not um, you know a woke school, right? You're also not like in the business of of trying to sort of culture you know culturally micro police, uh, you know every you know everything about the way people go around the world. Uh, for lots of reasons, right? One of which is that uh, almost any human being who's not deeply damaged find that, finds that intolerable and wants to have nothing to do with you if yeah. you do it. <laughs> it's an anathema but, to, to the vast majority of humans on this planet. Of course, right? Uh, and in fact, a big part of what he meant about cosmopolitanism was that without, you know, you know that that without having any tolerance for for, for bigotry, you know, that we that. But that it, rather than trying to do this sort of weird cultural social engineering, you know, to, to tell people how problematic everything they liked is and all that stuff, rather than that, right, we just kind of live together 
in a natural way that you tend to get when people live in, you know, a, a you know cosmopolitan setting, right? Cities, you know, where they're mashed together, and mm-hmm. and and they, you know, and and, and people. You know, befriend each other. They fuck. They uh, they have a uh, they 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 go to each other's concerts. You know, they mm. they uh, they're influenced by each other in a very natural and healthy way. That's not um, that that is that that is really smothered, right? You know, by that that attempt to sort of micro police right. the way that people go through the world, right? So he starts talking. It's page seventy nine of Against the Web. He's talking about. Um, so-called cultural appropriation, and he says, remaining forever fearful of cultural appropriation will smother the international socialist project I envision by contributing to what Adolf Reed has disparagingly termed essentialism, the almost metaphysical belief that, uh, that culture stands apart from politics and economics. Simply put, there is no magical or particular essence that gives people born into a culture the right to deny those who are not from that culture access to art, ideas, music, and the like. Uh, we should all be open to all cultures and should in fact embrace and encourage cultural exchange and syncretism. Uh, and, and I think that again, gives you some idea of, uh, of where his head, uh, his head was at with some of that. Right. You know, I think the, the mill, um, the clip from the mill series lecture at Lafayette college gives you some sense of that. And then I also just wanted to read a short quote from, um, something I'm going to be quoting more from in, uh, an article, you know, that, that I'm writing in Jacobin that I kind of teased in the previous one that I did getting more into his uh, political vision. Uh, this is from uh, what is probably the last piece of writing he ever did. Uh, it's, it's just a few short paragraphs that he, uh, he sent to our friend Daniel Bestner for a project they were working on. Uh, Bestner quoted a, some of it a little bit in, uh, in his remembrance from Michael and Jacobin. Uh, but, um, but, in in there, right? Um, he he talks. Uh, well, look, uh, he talks about how, and I quote: "Uprisings on the streets against the vicious and racist realities of American policing have morphed into a new hyper round of grotesque woke identitarian politics, and a new massive grift opportunity for the diversity industry." Um, and uh, talks about. Um, Efforts at personal destruction and brand strategy uh, being substituted for um, uh, security and substantively expanding the 60s rights revolution. And then he, he connects it back to what he talked about in his first book about the IDW. Um, and, uh, and, and he, he has this passage where he talks about, you know, what the IDW as much as he, uh, he despised them, uh, you know, uh, did did get right, or or maybe we should say that the real thing that that they uh, that they kind of weaponized in order to to put forward this reactionary agenda, uh, and then of course what they're getting wrong. Uh, he um, you know he says uh, my first book was a critique of this reactionary tendency, and I'm not here to backtrack. I am here to say that modern left and liberal culture is validating the often superficial IDW discourses. Um, and, uh, later on he says, uh, uh, the IDW toolkit is not all up for the challenge, uh, but they happen more right than I would like to acknowledge about a cruel and totalitarian drift on the left. Of course, there is one-sidedness, lack of historical knowledge and unwillingness to engage with the substantive left. Adolf Reed, here we have him again, could have set all these guys straight in a day. 
Um, and, and that's, you know, and, and I, I love that, that passage because, you know, it's, uh, you know, both obviously because I, you know, very much agree with the content, uh, but also, you know, cause you can, you know, you can see so much of his personality there. You can see the way that like, you know, kind of approach these things that like, it makes it so inviting. It makes it like something, you know, you want to like hang out and find out about yourself. Cause you know, cause it's like the sort of whole tone of it's like, Oh yeah, bro. You, uh, you ever read Adolf Reed? No, no, you need to do that. You know, get straight on this stuff. You know, like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's just, it's just not the way that most leftists talk. And, uh, you know, I wish more of them did. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's matter of fact without being defensive, Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, I think, something, another lesson, you know, we're not, we're not merely eulogizing. We're certainly not, you know, writing a Hagia, Hagia, this isn't a Hagiographical, uh, you know, enterprise, but like, you know, lessons, right? Like, what can we take from this? Here's an immensely successful and talented communicator among many other things. What can we take from that to, to ensure that like it lives on? Right. And like, there's that, there's that, that kind of quiet, but, but like, um, uh, definitively stated confidence without being defensive, without over qualifying. And isn't that, isn't that just kind of like the posture that you get on the left and it comes from the academic left. It's this kind of like constant fear and anxiety of being found out or, uh, undermined or called out or, uh, you know, having your intellect or your intentions or your, you know, your uh, moral fortitude questioned at any time. And so you're constantly, you know, qualifying and validating and it's just none of that. Right. No, no, absolutely not. His style. And again, like that style is deemed to be generally untrustworthy by the vast majority of humans on this planet because they're like, why, why are you saying that? Like, of course, no, I, like, <laughs> I heard what you said the first time. You didn't have to tell me you didn't mean it in a racist way. Like, I obviously know you didn't mean it in a racist way. Cause I'm not a fucking prick. Right. Like, <laughs> but like, you know, but like when you've been in the trenches of the left, the academic left in particular for so long, like you're just on guard constantly against people who would uh, take your, you know, in words and bad faith and, and any other sort of, um, really abusive kind of interpersonal intersocial dynamic. And there was yeah. in, in, in his, in, in, in the most recent, you know, in the, in, in, tragically the last instantiation of this man's communicative um, approach. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's remarkable that because I think, you know, it's, it's, it's related to what we were saying earlier about how, look, you know, there were there were people, including people in left media, who impressed him, and people who deeply did not impress him. And he could be uh, extremely funny about the latter category to his friends, uh, but uh, but he also didn't want to take his eye off the ball. You know, he he didn't he didn't want to get like um, mired in it, right? You know, and 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 he would um, you know he would encourage me sometimes to. Uh, to to be you know to to be less mired in it you know that uh, that he that like it was you know because because he 
thought, you know, what, what good does that, you know, like what, you know, what good does that do? Right. You know, because, and it's related to that style that you're talking about because he's not trying to play some sort of intra-left game where he, he wants to, you know, he's talking to, you know, some audience of 100 generously, uh, you know, like, uh, damaged and bitter people who are like looking for excuses to denounce each other. You know, that's, that's not the audience that he's talking to. That's not who he wants to communicate with. You know, he's, um, he's interested in, in engaging with, with this much broader, um, swathe of people. And, and he's, and he, he has, you know, he has good instincts, right. You know, this, this is, this is related to the way that he, you know, was, was the most, unself-conscious person I knew in left media about the fact that um, the fact that any sort of media, regardless of the political agenda it's serving is in fact a business, right? You know, we, we, we can't, uh, you know, um, you know, we can't like selectively, you know, opt out and, and uh, you know, and, and exist in some sort of, you know, full communist far future society that, you know, that, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't, you know, doesn't exist right now. You know, we, we have to, we have to think about how to, um, you know, how to, how to promote certainly our ideas, uh, and, and also, you know, and, and, and also our, ourselves, right. I mean, he had this, this ambition, this kind of ambition that, that wasn't petty and careerist. It was, it was much bigger and more generous, you know, but, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, but like you talked about in that Mill College, uh, sorry, the Mill Series uh, lecture at, Whitman, at Lafayette College, uh, you know, he, uh, he wanted to, uh, you know, if honestly the people who are most likely to be disparaging of the fact that everybody's, you know, in one way or another kind of striving to make room for themselves in the world, right, you know, are, are, uh, are people who, you know, who don't, who come from a background where they don't need to worry about it. Right. You know, that's, that's, uh, you know, that's the reality of the, of the situation. Uh, and, and he had no time for, for pretending, you know, for pretending otherwise, but, uh, but, you know, but since he wanted to, to promote this, this political agenda, certainly to, to this broader swathe of people, um, you know, you know, he was very strategic about what he put out in public and, and he was, he was, he was just incredibly good, uh, you know, and, and communicated it. I mean, that's why, you know, on Friday night when I was listening to that on YouTube, you know, like it, it made me so sad, you know, because I really wanted to, um, you know, like watching him feel this, these questions, especially in that part of the, uh, that part of the lecture, um, you know, it, it just really, you know, it just really made me want to, uh, to text him, you know, be like, Hey man, I, I finally got around to watching that, uh, Lafayette college thing. Yeah, that was yeah. fantastic. You know, I love this yeah. part, whatever. And, uh, and just, just the, um, just the reality, right. You know, this is exactly what I didn't want to do in this episode, but just the reality that, that I don't get to do that anymore, yeah. you know, was, was kind of overwhelming, but, uh, but, but the, you know, the, uh, the, the don't mourn organize or don't just mourn organize in you know, a part of this is that that way that he could communicate socialist ideas in, in such a, you know, a funny and open and appealing way in a way that was, um, you know, that where, where, where he was, 
he was less interested in any sort of like scoring points in some argument that most people don't even know about than 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 in in trying to find ways to mm. you know to connect to people who weren't necessarily there yet the way that he the the way that he had all this drive and and energy you know for 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 doing that right i mean even in the last you know, a couple months of his life. I don't think it's a secret that he wasn't doing very well in, uh, with quarantine, you know, emotionally, but, um, uh, you know, he's, you know, I mean, he even mentioned that on the show a couple of times, but, uh, but even then, right. You know, when, when he was, you know, when he'd get into it, right. When he was, when he was doing a show or, or even just when he was, you know, in conversation, right. You know, he kind of, you know, get his, uh, you know, get his second wind and he'd get into it, you know, like he yeah. just had, had more, you know, like drive and humor, but also, also earnestness, you know, about this stuff, um, you know, than, than, than anybody. Right. I mean, like, well, like, like one of, um, you know, like, honestly, like one of the random conversations that I remember so fondly, uh, from, um, uh, you know, that I mentioned in the article, you know, was, was one where we weren't even in the same place. You know, I was in, I was in Michigan, uh, over the summer, last summer, and, uh, you know, he was in Brooklyn, and, you know, we were talking about his book, um, and uh, I'll, I'll just, uh, you know, I was at uh, at my parents' place, you know, like, kind of out in the woods, you know, and, uh, you know, and I was sitting out on the porch drinking a beer, and I will, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll call out a friend of the show and former guest, Sean Good here, and say that, uh, Sean Goody, and say that he, uh, um, you know, he did. He did have one edit to that piece that I didn't like. In the original, I uh, I specified that the beer was a Bell's Oberon out of Michigan Pride, but uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, but he just generified that to uh, a beer. Uh, but uh, other than that, all great edits as always. Uh, but uh, uh, boo! But, no, I'm sorry. That's a that's a that's a deal breaker. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who's ever had an Oberon can feel me on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, uh, but, you know, but like what I remember, I think about it so fondly, right. It was, it was, you know, some, you know, part of it was the setting and, you know, and, uh, but like also it was just that like, you know, Michael Brooks is by far the funniest human being I've ever met. Like he, I've, I've, I've known some stand up comedians and at least when they were done, you know, they, they weren't as uh, funny as that, but, um, you know, he wasn't particularly being funny in this conversation. It was just Michael being like, extremely earnest and, and, and just, and just talking about this cosmopolitan socialism stuff, you know, for, for the book, you know, uh, you know, just, just for, just for hours and, and, and just kind of get into, uh, you know, get in this, this, this front row seat to, um, you know, the evolution of his thinking about this, you know, was, was really important to me. And, and I think we could also see the way, um, that, again, related to this idea of this, this kind of more just kind of natural cosmopolitan way of being in the world and mixing cultures and all this stuff that he, um, that like, you know, Michael had absolutely no time whatsoever for that kind of cultural micro-policing, mm-hmm. but like also for, you know, being a white Jewish Brooklyn-based podcaster, you know, he, he did more to, um, you know, probably, you know, more black leftist thinkers went on that show than like any other show I can think of. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, like, like, like just, just cause that, that's, that, that was, that was never like a tokenizing thing. That was never a, uh, that was never an attempt to, to prove anything. That was just, you know, like that was just a very natural expression of who he was interested in talking to, you know, and learning from, right. You know, um, and, uh, and I think everything about that package that I've, I've just described, or at least I hope, you know, I hope that I've managed to gesture at, right. You know, in the last few minutes is just something we could all learn so much from because, you know, obviously, obviously, you know, he was a, he was a one of a kind person in many ways, but the, uh, but, but all that stuff that I just described, all that stuff that we could all do, right. Like, like maybe like some of the communication aspects or whatever, not everybody has the same skills, but like, you know, the base, you know, in broad outlines, nothing is stopping the rest of us from doing that. We just have to get our heads out of our asses. Yeah. Yeah. No question at all. Um, yeah, I was getting a little choked up at there at the end. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that it's going to take time for all of us to kind of obviously work through this and process this in our own ways. I've gotten a lot of uh, touching messages from people on Twitter and Patreon and, and Facebook and elsewhere. I asked for people to reach out after yesterday or last week's rather, uh, you know, I, I'm going to keep going. Oh, eulogy. It's a very strange, still weird thing to say. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, it is, by the way, um, speaking of eulogies, uh, I do want to fill in a, uh, a major omission in uh, the one that you did for DPS last week, mm-hmm. uh, since uh, you know you uh, you know you you mentioned, of course, that, uh, that you introduced Michael to um, you know Adolf Reed, who was this incredible influence on him, and 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 you know kind of thinking about you know race and class in this different way that you know that he managed to articulate so well, you know, uh, in in the last couple of years, especially the last year of his life. Uh, that, um, you know, that, that, you know, uh, racialized people exist. Racism certainly exists. Uh, yeah. race is a nonsense category, yeah. uh, that, uh, that, that serious people should have nothing to do with. Uh, and, and, um, and, and we should, and there's no magical trans historical cultural essence of, of any group, you know, that, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. That, that we should that we should postulate or try to build our politics around, you know that uh, that was obviously incredibly important to him. But on a very different level of his life, um, one of one of my uh, well, my uh, you know the last the last uh, text conversation with I had with him was uh, you know was personal, and the one before last was a uh, unquotable conversation trashing someone we both knew. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> And, uh, but, uh, but going back like four or five text conversations back, you know, my messages, um, there was one where I was talking to him about coming on DPS, um, you know, to, uh, to talk about his book, which, you know, the, was something he talked about with me the second that I signed on as a co-host, you know, and, um, and, and, you know, and he was always enthusiastic about doing, you know, I probably wasn't enthusiastic enough about putting it together because I thought that like, yeah, whatever, like, you, you know, have time, right? Yeah. What's the hurry? Yeah. Right? That's what I'd said. Right. Don't, don't take anybody for granted. We tend to take the people who are closest to us for granted. Um, yeah. We you, do. Yeah. Um, but in, uh, but in this conversation about having about DPS, it's, uh, 
you know, since half, half of, uh, you know, like about half of our non-political conversations were about the Sopranos, you know, over the course of the last couple of years. And since Michael had been, you know, feeling burnt out about certain things in the last couple of months, you know, I was kind of joking with him that when I bring you on uh, DPS with absolutely no explanation or context for the audience, uh, we should just spend the first 20 minutes talking about the Sopranos before we talk about politics. Uh, <laughs> I would have absolutely been down for that. No, no question. Uh, no question at all. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, uh, and then he responded, you know, because it's, cause it's Michael and he's constantly, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's constantly coming up with, you know, with, with new ideas and projects and, you know, like you and I were talking about on the phone the other day, you know, like, mm-hmm. like what, whatever kind of internal sensor most of us have yeah. shooting down most of those ideas, you know, his was, uh, you know, must've been, you know, pretty beaten down, you know, cause, uh, he was fearless. Yeah. He was yeah. Fearless. He was, and so like he immediately, you know, the way that mere mortals do it seems in some ways. It, yeah, so immediately in this conversation, when I when I made that joke about spending the first twenty minutes just talking Sopranos before you know, before we did anything else, before we introduced him, before we talked about his book, he uh, he said, "Hey, we can do more than that," and he laid out this idea for me of uh, of uh, him and me and uh, and his friend Nando Vila and uh, maybe some other people doing a uh, once a month. TMBS uh, bonus episode, which would just be about the Sopranos, you know, it'd be like a TMBS Sopranos rewatch. And uh, he actually went as far as to announce that on Twitter. Uh, and, uh, and so it was like, it was going to happen. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I was talking to Nando about this a few days ago and he mentioned something that, um, uh, that I didn't know. And you didn't mention, you know, which, which is, uh, mm-hmm. which is that, you know, since Nando Vila was obviously, a, you know, a very important figure, you know, in his life and a very important collaborator with him, you know, and, uh, apparently, uh, he was, uh, Nando was first on Michael's radar because of his appearance on the dead pundit society. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm still, you, you talk about, uh, his Nando's appearance on DPS and, 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 uh, I can't, but I can't, but hear, uh, ABBA, and uh, Fernando, Abba's Fernando. <laughs> I'm playing in the background <laughs> because that's. <what laughs> I told Nando at the time I was like, "Dude, I'm I'm gonna do this. I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry to do this to you, but it's happening." And he's like, "No, man, you're gonna do it. Abba, come on, man, Abba, really, you gonna do this to me?" And uh, yeah, I opened the show with, uh, you know, Fernando. That's a good, is that that's such a good song anyway? On a more happy note, that's such a good song. I don't care what anybody says. Nice. Uh, you know what? We might I might go out to Fernando uh, to to on today's sure. episode. We'll see why not. But no, I, yeah, I did. It was my honor and a pleasure. And honestly, you know, I said this. And I mean, this this almost sounds like I mean, I, I didn't want to say it this way, and I, I don't even want to say it now. But I'm going to qualify in just the way that I, I mentioned. Like, you know, maybe we should stop qualifying. But I'm going to qualify anyway because nobody wants to make a eulogy about them. That's like, don't be that guy, right? Don't use the passing of someone to just talk about your fucking self. But like. But no, I mean, it was one of my, pro- I mean, th- this hits me hard in a, in a way that's like weird to think about because one of my proudest accomplishments was the fact that uh, through this show, I was able to influence Michael and in a way that then Michael was able to take his enormous talents and then mainstream that stuff in a way that like I never would have been able to or, or, or even interested in doing in, in, in quite that way. And yeah, in the fact that he's gone now and he's not going to serve as that like megaphone to this project that I've been like building is is 
for, and, and I don't because it's never about me, right? And that's the point, right? Like the average TMBS listener would have no fucking idea that I I don't give a shit. Like if how many guests like he took uh, from from the fact that he heard them uh, took as how many guests he asked to bring on his show. Uh, and we can, I mean, actually one of the text comments, you know, we, we went back and forth on this all the time. So he, he, uh, hooked me up with no Miki, uh, const and I had no Miki yeah. on the show and, you know, and then I get, I told him, I joked him in, the, in my text conversation. I said, all right, I see you. I said, I'll trade you an Adolf for a no Miki. How about that? <laughs> you know, it was, like, but it was like, it was like fantasy football where we'd like trading, you know, we'd have these like backdoor tradings, like trades deals between like, all right, all right, you hook me up with this. You hook me up with Chomsky and, and I'll give you a Joe, I'll give you a Joanna West, a Brianna last double header. How about that? You know, like, and so yeah. we were constantly, you know, opening each other up to which, uh, uh, which was a, yeah, which yeah. which which was a which went on to the uh, the very end, right? You know that that he had um, that you know I know he listened to that Brianna last interview and and he, and he liked it. You know we talked about it and uh, and and he had Brianna uh, on his show. You know after after uh, after that and um yeah and I, and, I'll, and since i just went a little navel gazy I'll, I'll disrupt this and, and kind of generalize for the audience we got to wrap up um you know i know you've got some uh commitments and i do as well we will have to uh take it over to the b-side for the patrons later on this week when that drops but um but i think you know the bottom line is just like you know i thought it was worthwhile and you thought it was worthwhile to take take a look at the project and 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 you know i'm a Michael was the first to say it. I mean, I'm, I certainly am not the last to say it. And you'd say it. And most of our listeners say it. It fucking sucks to be a democratic socialist in America right now. Um, the, the, the depression that has sunk in around the disappearance of Bernie from the stage, the appearance of a, a woke kind of moralistic diversity complex that is all too readily uh, willing and able to co-opt the, the radical protests on the streets that we're seeing you know, the kind of Trump derangement syndrome that, that you know, has, I mean, we haven't even talked about the, the convention, the way that, you know, single payer Medicare for all has been completely taken off the table about the way that all of our progressive gains have, have been completely removed from the picture. And now we weren't trying to reform the party, but we were trying to, you know, push, push and force the hands of legislators. Um, the way that, you know, fucking Kasich is now, uh, you know, headlining and, and the way they're, they're, um, gesturing towards these sort of quote moderate republicans in in the suburbs yeah yeah we uh, uh there's a lot to be a, upset it, about right now it, but there is there is but, uh, but the punchline is that like it takes a moment like this to to remind us that like that project is still you know that we've, we've been building is still remarkably viable even even in the doldrums um yeah 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 absolutely yeah um, I mean, I guess I just, I'd like to go out. Um, I I went out this way for my eulogy last week, but I don't, it recur, it occurs to me that I wasn't explicit enough about this, but it's probably people know this by now, but like his mantra and it's something that I've, I've said in some way, shape or form or the other for a long time, but as usual, Michael said it better <laughs> bastard <laughs> that motherfucker, <laughs> you know, like he said it better, uh, which is that, um, uh, be ruthless against systems, but but kind and generous and empathetic towards individuals. Um, and that's something that I've really tried to, I was already under, it was already underway, like, cause because of his influence over the past 12 months, his private, you know, influence via text and phone. But it was, I was, you know, now with his passing, I've just really worked triple down on that quadruple down on that. And, um, you know, I, I just think that I want to, I want that to infuse everything that we do going forward. Um, 
you know, we're going to be DPS. DPS is going to do DPS, but like I joked about being a part of building the kinder, gentler left, you know, like eight or nine or 10 months ago. Um, this is just another push in that direction. And it's not just about being nice. It's about winning. And, and it, maybe that is how you win. It is. And I, I, I think that's right. You know, and I think, uh, <laughs> uh, Sorry, I just, I just, I just realized this is kind of funny. This is kind of funny transition before I said it, but uh, uh, you know that, like, I, I think that uh, you know, without uh, <laughs> you know, without putting this uh, incredibly, uh, you know, kind and generous, uh, you know, Jewish socialist in the same breath as a Nazi, uh, uh, you know, I, th- I think I think a little I think a little dose of uh, Carl Schmidt and the Fred Nedeby distinction would go a long way here. Uh, that uh, you know that you want to you know that the uh, there's a different you know there's a different way you uh, you talk to people and you talk about people, right? You know, if if you're you know if if they're a obstacle that needs to be rolled over, you know, or or if there's uh, if if they're people who are, who are just fucking confused as, uh, as most people are, right. God knows I yeah. am, you know, that, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, if, if I, you know, if I knew, uh, trust me, if I, if I knew, like if I had some roadmap in my head for this is how we rebuild the socials left and win and all that stuff, I would not be keeping it a secret from DPS listeners right now. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I don't have it. Uh, mm. And we've, we've got a lot of this stuff, you know, we've got to figure out together and it's, and it's, it's a tremendously, you know, to uh, use a phrase that's overused in the most annoying possible way by liberals, uh, difficult conversation. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of cacophony and talking past each other and, um, you know, and, and, and I think that just, just kind of approaching people this way, you know, like, like one of, uh, one of the things, um, you know, God, you know, like, like one of the last things that, uh, that, you know, that Michael had, um, you know, had, had said to me, you know, in our last, uh, you know, last conversation, you know, was, was, you know, uh, or next to last conversation, I guess, you know, was, was about how, you know, look, if, if, uh, if somebody hasn't raped anybody or murdered anyone, mm-hmm. right. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we just shouldn't be talking about them like this, you know, like, yeah. like, like the, the sort of, um, the sort of willingness to, uh, you know, to sit in judgment of people and, and, and kind of like, you know, excommunicate them from our common project, you know, over anything and everything, mm-hmm. you know, that was something that, you know, that really bothered him for very good reasons. And, um, and I, I, I think that again, yeah, I think that that quote, you know, that uh, be be ruthless with systems and kind to people. Um, I think that's I think that's the way we've we've got to be, right? You know, because because people like, you know, this is going to be a very uh, you know a very deep Marxist insight I'm going to go out with here. Uh, this is this you know you're probably going to have to read like you know, all of Gramsci's prison notebooks and, uh, and, and all three volumes of capital and, uh, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and, and all of Reed, both Adolf and Torre and, uh, um, and, uh, and, and a bunch of other obscure shit that you don't even know about, you know, you're gonna have to read all that to really get it because I'm going to say something really profound here. Uh, 
which is that uh, most people don't like hanging out with assholes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I honestly, after you read all that shit, uh, you probably are one of those assholes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you actually, if you actually did, if you actually did, just, just so sheer probability, like, just like, alone you know flipping through pages you, you know, have like, self-selected sir and i use that term sir advisedly you have self-selected sir as probably one of those assholes should you <laughs> go through that whole thing no doubt so one of you know uh, michael and i would primarily uh communicate via twitter dm because he was uh michael was my my biggest twitter hype man in the last 12 months when i more or less kind of escaped twitter um, the only time I went viral and probably the only time, you know, people found my tweets and my episodes was when Michael would signal boost them. Yeah. Michael would retweet them. And then suddenly, you know, boom, they explode and get a bunch of likes and retweets and listens. And, and so, I mean, he was a, he was a champion of the show behind the scenes and he was using his platform that was, that was huge at that point. Sorry, huge. It was huge. uh it was hugely popular uh at the end you know in particular um you know uh he he would do that and but so we we talked via dms mostly but the one of the the final text conversation we had was in may and um you know he said um yeah we need to work on that part uh of being normal like you know i say normal normies it wasn't a word that he really used um but he said we need to work on that part uh hard about what norm, a normal person would want to be around. Why would, any, why would any regular person want to be around this shit? Take a look at where I've been going. You can see it. And that's also why we got to talk about Lula and Pepe Mujica, left leaders that fucking appeal as human beings. And so like, you know, I had my, my bones with his presentation of Lula, you know, in terms of the interpretation of the Brazilian left. And like I had Rene Rojas on the show to kind of offer like a, a somewhat dissenting view of like, of, of, of like, um, deifying Lula as a leader. But yet like I, at the end of the day, as always, right. Like, I feel like I missed the point. Yeah. Like it wasn't about like offering, you know, the precise strategy and history of, you know, the, uh, British, you know, uh, you know, Workers' Party, British, sorry, fuck, the Brazilian, wrong B, Brazilian Workers' Party uh, as, as the exact roadmap. It's about the, it's about the appeal of, of the politics and the leaders and the way they appeal to the masses. You know, that was what Michael was talking about. And, and, and I'll just go out, you know, it's like building a left that, that regular people would want to be around, that would be building leaders and institutions and having a, a, a left media ecosystem, which is another phrase I cribbed off of him, having a left media ecosystem that would fucking appeal to human beings in his words. That's, that's the message, man, to me anyway, that's a, that's a mic drop. I think to end today's episode, we'll, we'll let the man speak for himself. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, thanks everybody for, for tuning in. Um, this won't be the last time we obviously talk about Michael and his legacy, but, uh, we had and we still have big plans for this show and um i'm going to tease a little bit uh, for next week you know we were as i mentioned in my eulogy last week in the midst of recording a uh, a four person chat um when we prior to getting the news of his passing um we're still going to do that probably next week but whether we do that or not we have some big news for next week um we are working to build this platform and um and, and contribute to that left media ecosystem that michael was so passionate about building 
Um, so yeah, um, I hope that this was a nice uh, way for people to reflect on his legacy. I know he impacted a lot of you all. Do not feel bad. I'm, I'm getting all these messages. People saying, man, I, I, have, I feel like I have no right to be so sad and so beat up about this. Like I never met the guy. I've got a, I've got a, so many of those yeah. uh, that yeah. where, where, and, where people will sort of like, yeah. you know, people will do this thing where they'll like, self-flagellate right yeah they'll self-flagellate they'll, 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 they'll prevent they'll like preemptively compare their grief to mine and it always makes right. me feel so weird to read it you know like i don't i don't think exactly. I've res- i don't think i've responded to almost anything you know uh with very few exceptions you know i mean i just i just say thank you and and that's that because i don't i don't know what to say about some of this stuff but it's like you know, let the, uh, don't, don't do that. You know, let the guy mean to you exactly. whatever he meant to you. And, and yeah, and don't, and, and, and because like, I, I mean, above all, you would know better than me, right? No, you're exactly right. But like that wouldn't, you know, Michael wanted to impact people. He wanted to be close that distance and, and be, have a, have that personal touch. That was at the heart of his goal. I mean, that's what I just read from our final uh, text message conversation. Um, you know, the DMS were all like, keep your head up. You know, you got this awesome episode, man. You know, like, but the, the last real substantive conversation we had was about that. Breathing. So uh, this is, I feel a little, I don't know. This is, this is, uh, uh, this is cheesy and modeling because it ended up being, uh, so much more on the nose than I, would have thought or ever hoped, but, uh, my, uh, the very last conversation, uh, the very last text conversation I ever had with him was just about him, like taking a little bit of vacation time and you know what mm-hmm. that was going to look like. And, um, so the, um, the very, uh, the very last words I ever texted to Michael were, uh, uh, get some rest, brother. You deserve it. Jesus, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's tough. Um, I didn't anticipate us ending in this direction, but uh, but we'll we'll have to leave it here. And uh, yeah, so um, he'll live on in our memories and in, in our practice. And uh, yeah, this will absolutely not be the last time we talk about him and his approach and uh, and the way that you know it has helped us reflect. Um, on the things that we do and the way we live our lives. But, uh, shouts out Michael. If, like I said, as a, you know, two, uh, two lapsed, uh, well, one lapsed Protestant and, uh, two, two, uh, sort of lackadaisical, no give a fucks atheists in the way that we, you know, as you said, I think you said on Jack of your Jacobin stream, like you don't find it, you find it completely boring to try to convince others to also be an atheist, uh, yep. in our, in our own way. Like in, in, if there is some cosmic, way that we can say it you know uh thanks michael uh for everything that you did and um you know uh i think this is the the way that you deal with adversity and loss is that you try to incorporate things and and move forward so that's what we're going to be doing that's what we're going to be doing so uh yeah patrons look out for the b side it's going to be dropping later this week um little unorthodox in the way that we're going to be doing it going forward. Uh, speaking of Michael and his um, legacy, we are going to be going back to the format that he uh, himself used for TMBS, which is going to be kind of like the pregame, you know, the regular show, the A side and the B side, which is going to be more like a, a post game. So it's going to be one long extended episode. Patrons are going to get access to the full two hours. Uh, but this, this week we're going to have a standalone B side later in the week. Um, so patrons look out for that. Again, we got to build this left e- uh, media ecosystem. Uh, you know, in a way after 
talking about what we talked about. It feels dirty. But then again, as another lesson, we, it shouldn't feel dirty. We have to do this. This is like Michael's legacy, I think, is about like how to be a socialist and be a grown up at the same time. And grown ups understand the way the world works and understand that we have to build things to win. And, um, and he was unabashed about building his platform and giving himself and his team the resources to succeed and to reach people. And that's a big part of why he was able to build his Patreon and then use his resources to reach as many people as he did. And we shouldn't be shy about that either. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to be more unabashed about this. Uh, if you, if you think this is an important political project, if you want to build this left uh, socialist uh, ecosystem, I can guarantee you that we will not spend your hard earned wages, uh, through the Patreon on, you know, uh, drugs and, um, and, uh, you know, sex workers, not that there's anything wrong with that, uh, and other, uh, you know, uh, sinful exploits. I mean, we'll, we'll do a lot of sinning, that's for sure, but we're not going to use our Patreon money to do it. Uh, we are going to, you know, be trying to build the platform and, and, and plowing that money back into reaching people. So, um, if you believe in that mission, um, if you want to carry on this legacy, I encourage you to head over to www.patreon.com slash dead pundits and become a, uh, a member. You'll get access to the B sides and um, more long form interviews are going to be coming your way very, very soon. I know that's what most of you uh, really like. Uh, so yeah. Any, any parting words for the, for the folks, not, not the folks, the folks, the regular folks, you know, like just, uh, yeah, I, I don't think we can improve on what we said earlier, but uh, I'll see you next week. Yeah, you guys be good to each other. Seriously, we love you guys. It's something that uh, my, uh, you know, waspy, distant uh, cultural upbringing, like uh, still sort of reels at saying to anyone aside from like maybe my own mother. Uh, but really like uh, love you guys as humans. You know, I mean, a little humanism on the left wouldn't wouldn't kill us. And, and you guys just look at just fucking be good to each other. OK, just fucking be good to each other. Life is unbearably short sometimes. So. Yeah, signing off. We'll see you guys on the B side. And it's an immense honor to be here, including definitely with Dr. West, who is an influence on me. And one of the major reasons that he's an influence on me is because of that synthesis and the ability to hold multiple truths, that we have to have some sense of a capacity here to do something with democracy and then also not lie and deceive ourselves about what we are and what capitalism is and what empire is. I came across a speech fragment from Martin Luther King Jr. recently, which I played on my show, and I don't know where or the title of the speech, but I thought it was so important because we've put a lot of work and we still have to put work into reminding everybody that the man was on the left. He wasn't a guy who came out once a year and said everybody should treat each other nicely. He was a serious... But the other thing that I loved about this speech, which was he talked about the fallacy that certain Christians misunderstood love as a seeding of power, and then Nietzsche came along and rejected Christian morality because he thought it was denying uh, someone's vitality, the will to power in a healthy sense. And he said, love without power is sentimental and anemic, yep. and power without love is abusive and corrosive. I'm paraphrasing. Yep. And that was when I saw it, I thought, well, here, okay, we know the left-wing Dr. King. Well, here's the Machiavellian Dr. King, and I love it. I want the left to have Machiavelli so that we can have the strategy, the ruthlessness, the clarity to actually win these battles and be ruthless with institutions. And then I want us to learn how to be really kind to each other, welcoming of a broad set, and actually have a movement that has the capacity to do that. That's why the cancel stuff is relevant that Katie brought up, because it's a stand-in for this 
eliminationism of other humans, which is neoliberalism enacted. And it's also a contradiction from when we get utopian. It's beautiful. We're, we're the people who sit around and we say, why don't we have a world where there's no prisons? Okay. <laughs> That's a radical fucking statement. That's a real thing, and we should take it seriously. But then, on the other hand, oh, well, these people could never be part of our coalition because they made a mistake or said something. Like, it's a contradiction in what we're enacting. So what I get that I hope is in the realm of answering your question from this Dr. King clip was left-wing, spiritual, but also with a vision of power. And if we can synthesize those things, I think we will speak to the highest impulses of this country. We will be welcoming to people, and we will win. Can you hear the Oh, uh-huh.